I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Thus exalt his name together. Let's repeat that verse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Thus exalt his name together. I thank God for your prayers while we were in Nicaragua. It was a very good trip, and I'll tell you more about it later. One of the highlights was we got to baptize, attempt to get to baptize a 14 year old young man in the Pacific Ocean. It's very, very touching. Uh, Luis, little Luis, they call him. He got a big Luis, too. Anyway, they, they touched me. All the five grown up men went out to the Pacific Ocean with Timothy and Luis. They surrounded him, and when Timothy brought him up out of the water, they expressed their support for him. And that they're going to help protect him and help him to grow. Very, very touching indeed. We had a good trip, and I appreciate your prayers. Uh, I've got something on my mind this morning. I'll read it in a minute. It's going to be from the book of James, chapter 4. It's called Drawing Near to God. And all of us need this, but some need it worse than others. You know, I don't know what kind of shape you're in. I can see you outwardly, and even then I don't see you as much as I'd like to. I don't see you all the time. And God knows your heart. And I don't know your heart. So we got people here with different needs. So some people are going to need this sermon more than others even. At different levels also. I want to read you a few verses about kind of what I want to do. I hope this sermon will comfort some and I might convict some. I don't know what kind of, some of you may be in habitual sin. Or some of you may be in despair. I hope many of you are walking close to the Lord. I hope this sermon will have a level that you need where you really need this what I'm hoping today. And we never know what who's in a congregation this size, what kind of shape that their minds are in. But I'll read you a little bit from Isaiah 1 because uh, Isaiah had two audiences in mind. The Lord really came down pretty hard on the people of Israel in Isaiah. There's also a great word of comfort. The, the people, some of them need that hard language right there. Very, some of you may need some hard language, which I may have some today. Some of you may need comfort. Let me read you a few verses from Isaiah chapter uh, 1. Here's, here's the hard part right here. Uh, some people need this very much in Israel. Some of you may need this. I don't know whether you do or not. Beginning in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 1. Ah, sinful nation, the people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into, into anger. They're gone away backwards. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's no soundness in it. But uh, wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have uh, not been closed, nor, the, nor neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. That's pretty bad, isn't it? So some of the people need that. A lot of them need that. But you know what? Some of the people were in despair. They need some comfort. So thank God in that same sermon, he said in verse 18, I love this so much. Come now and let us reason together saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. They'll be red like crimson, 
they shall be as wolves. I'm certain some of the people who heard that first were almost in despair. They heard this very comforting word. Uh, some people need to be hit pretty hard. I need to be hit pretty hard sometimes. Uh, we need to be convicted of sin. And then there are times people need to be comforted. Also along that same line, uh, I'll read to you what I want to do. If there's anybody here in sinful trouble, I'll read to you what my goal is today. It's the last verse of James. It's over in James chapter 5. This is verse uh, 19 and 20, the last two verses. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I feel we want to do with each other. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and want to convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way and save a soul from death shall hide the most of his sins. I want to read that again. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what we want to do with each other. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and want to convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death to hide amongst the sin. You know, death, sin is very, very serious, more than we can even recognize. Then one more verse along this line that I'm thinking about is over in the book of Jude, just one chapter there in Jude. So let's turn there just for a moment. And there are people in different conditions, like there probably are here at Grace Chapel this morning, probably people in different conditions. So in Jude, uh, I'll read verse 22 and 23. Verse 22 and 23. And you've got to be in good check to do this. I, I want to read you uh, something about how we ought to be. We can help each other uh, if we really trust the Lord. He said in verse 21, I want to read that first. But I'm going to read verse 21 of Jude. I want to encourage everybody to be strong in the Lord because we can help each other out and need to help each other out. So look at verse 20. Ye beloved, now here's the people that kind of shape you ought to be in. Ye beloved, building up yourselves on your holy faith, that's the Word of God really dwelling in you. Uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're, we're in the Word of God. Our faith is strong. We pray in the Holy Ghost. Hope this will put your appetite to be this way. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That means consciously, so we don't really do that. We consciously keep ourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, eternal life. So we're looking for, like Isaac talked about, looking for glory. So that's, we need to be that kind of shape. So read that verse. I won't read it again. You might read those. Then what we do when we're in that kind of shape. Now some have compassion making a difference. We have compassion on some people who are, they need comfort. They're down. But get this, and others say with fear, putting them out of the fire, having even the garment spotted by the flesh. So this sermon today, I believe God placed on my heart, probably people in different conditions, some will need part of this, some will need the rest of it, and then they'll all need it to some extent. Let's turn to my text now and open the book of James. I'm going to read the first 11 verses and concentrate on verses 6 through 10. I hope you'll be in prayer. And the theme of my sermon is drawing near to God, drawing near to God. Let me read those verses to you first of all. And I'm going to mainly comment on verses uh, 6 through 10, drawing near to God. All right, let's go. Verse Chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. So what's come wars and fightings among you? Come then not hence even of your own lust, that war in your members. You lust and have not, you kill, not literally killing here. These are people in really bad spiritual shape. They're double-minded. You lust and have not, you kill and do not, and, and, uh, do, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, and you have not because you ask not. 
You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You make it it upon your own lust. You adulterers and adulterers. There's very strong language God is using here. Spiritual adulterers. You adulterers and adulterers. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But here's the part I'm going to talk about, verses 6 through 10, so pay special attention. But he gave us more grace. That's pretty dire than those first verses I've read. There's hope, my friend, when God's people want to walk in him in repentance. But he gave us more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. By the way, these verses are the ones I always use when I want to get close to God. Verses 6 through 10, I always use these verses in my own life. I really want to get close to God when I feel like I've gotten away from God. So pay special attention to these. Again, starting in verse 6. He gave us more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, give us grace unto the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Send your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. The Lord shall lift you up. That's verses 6 through 10, or for actually 1 through 11. Now, let's start, and I want you to look first of all in verse uh, 6. Verse 6. Let me, let me, I'm going to make a couple of statements first, though. When I say this, two statements where you stung out, two sentences that I put together, I'll read to you. Serving God is serious business. It's not a casual business. And I know you believe it. I hope you believe that. But serving God is not just, uh, it's a very serious business. We, we serve a holy God. So I'm going to read this to you. Only the pure in hand and heart, hand and heart, that's our actions in the heart. Only the pure in hand and heart enter the communion into communion with God in His holiness. I'll read that again. You want to get close to God? If you do get close to God, you got to do it on His terms, not on your terms. If you got to be purposeful, being close to God. And the, that's the most important thing we can do, get close to God. The only safe place, my friends, is being close to God. If I'm not close to God, I make all kinds of mistakes. I know people, and myself included sometimes, but I know some people right now who are in really deep trouble because they simply are not close to God. And you need to be, you know, David, when he fell into that sin of adultery and murder, he didn't get there overnight. He was getting away from God. He had to be getting away from God. And so if you find yourself right now being kind of weak, you better be careful. We need to be close to God. Don't tell what kind of mistake we might make. The devil after us. Our sinful nature is after us. The world is after us. We have no choice. we got to be close to God. And it takes purposeful, prayerful effort to be close to God. So that's my desire today. We be close to God. Only the pure in hand and heart, living right, having your heart right, can enter into communion, communion with God in His holiness. Then this other is this. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on the heart, Lord willing, before I get through. If the heart is wrong, nothing can be right. If the heart is wrong, nothing can be right. Very important to cultivate our heart. Now let me read you verse 6. I'm, I hope, hope you all pray for me now. i got a lot I'd like to say. God bless you to do it. And the way I want to say it, and hope the Holy Spirit make it real to all of us. All right, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, giveth grace unto the humble. The humble have a learner's spirit. They can be taught. They blame no one but themselves. 
Let me say the humble have a learner's spirit. They can be taught. They don't blame anybody for their sins but themselves. I've been talking to people lately who've been deep in sin, but they blame others for their sin. They can't see they're responsible. When you're right with God, you take all the blame for your sins. You don't try to pass it off on somebody else. Ever since the devil tempted Eve to sin, we've been trying to pass the buck to others. Adam passed the buck to God. Can you believe that? The woman you gave me. He blamed the woman and God both. Isn't that amazing? He blamed the serpent. My friend, we do the same thing. If you are really humble before God, you'll take all the blame to yourself. If I'm right with God, I don't put anything on duty. I got kind of a hot temper sometimes. I don't speak like I should to my wife. Thank God I repent pretty quickly. But when I'm right, when I get to get right with God, I take the blame on myself. That's what we need to do. I'll read you some things that Jonathan Edwards said about pride. We, humility. I will pick the whole sermon on humility one of these days. Maybe more than one. We need it very badly. Let me read some excerpts. Oh, oh uh, Jonathan Edwards had an uh, article called Un, uh, Undiscerned Spiritual Pride. Undiscerned. That we don't discern our own pride. Let me just read you these, and I'll give you the sheet if you want it sometimes. Pride is much more difficult to discern than any other corruption. Lots of times we lift up pride, don't even know it. See? The spiritually proud person is full of light already and feels that he does not need instruction. So he is ready to despise the offer of it. On the other hand, the humble person is like a little child who easily received instruction. I've talked to people who needed instruction. They didn't think they needed it. They wouldn't take it. And I get frustrated as a preacher sometimes. I can see plenty of what's wrong with somebody and tell them about it, and they won't receive it. It's pride that does that. Well, I get proud of myself sometimes. The eminently humble Christian thinks he needs help from everybody. You feel that way? I think I need help from everybody. Whereas the spiritually proud person Thanks, everybody needs his help. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? You know, when we talk to people, are you pretty bad about this? I talk so much, I don't even listen to what they're saying. To have a conversation and interrupt them rudely. Because I think I got something they need to hear. But brother, I'll keep my mouth shut. I got some things, I got some things, they think some things I need to hear. I got to read this with myself on that. The, uh, all right. A spiritually proud person finds fault with other saints for their lack of progress in grace, while the humble Christian sees so much evil in his own heart and is so concerned about it, he is not apt to be very busy with other hearts. He complains most of himself and his own spiritual coldness and readily hopes that most everybody has more love and thankfulness to God than he. I'm regarding my brother as better than myself. Proud people take great notice of opposition. That's when somebody opposes you, they get mad about it. How you like that? I try to correct you. Sometimes I'm not so good. My wife's the best friend I've ever had. She's never been against me, but a lot of times I thought she was against me. She hit a hot button, and I didn't like it a bit. And, she's, and, and her love for me, trying to point out something I needed to hear. That's pride what it was to in my part. Proud people take great notice of opposition and injuries and are prone to speak often about them with an air of bitterness or contempt. Christian humility, on the other hand, 
disposes a person to be more like his blessed Lord, who when reviled did not open his mouth, but committed himself in silence to him who judges righteously. For the humble Christian, the more clamorous and furious the world is against him, the more silent and still he will be, unless it is in his prayer closet, and there he will not be silent. In other words, when people start criticizing us, instead of fighting back, we ought to get quiet, we ought to pray about it. Y'all like that? I like that a lot. My friend, humility is a great thing. Let me see if I can do this. I'll work out or not. I did a thinking one time about how it's, we ought to be humble. And I've got about five reasons. I may not get all. I'm not, not going to try to get my mind messed up, but I'm going to take all I can. Why should we be humble? One reason is that no matter how much good we've done, we have not done near as much good as we should have done. You may have done a lot of good. Some other people in the church have not done so much good. You may be kind of resentful of them. I'll tell you, friend, no matter how much good you've done, you should have done more. I've, that bothers me a lot in my life now. At old age, I've told you before, my sins of omission really bother me. He that doeth the good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Like the thing I wish I had done. Number two, you're worse than you think you are. See, we always justify ourselves. But we're really not as good as we think we are. If, if you think you're kind of bad, multiply that a few times. If you weren't covered by the blood, it'd be terrible, wouldn't it? So that ought to keep us humble. Number three, there's a lot of people smarter than I am, but that's easy to be. But I'm smarter than some folks because I think I am. But you know what? Uh, I don't care how smart you may be. Now, look, you listen to this. Now, you think it's very soon. <laughs> I pick it up on my side. I'll just kid you. Go joke. Uh, I don't, have, I don't know how much you know about something. There's a whole lot more about it you don't know than what you do know. Don't forget that. All right? Uh, another thing I want you to think about is don't compare yourself with others. When you compare yourself with others, you look pretty good. There's scriptures all over. I haven't got time to get to them right now. When you compare yourself with others, you can look pretty good. We usually find the crummiest person we can find compared with, don't we? To make ourselves look good. But when you compare yourself with the Word of God, you're not looking so good. And my fifth reason for humility is be humble because, my friend, we can all fall at any time if God lets us alone. Anybody can fall. Take heed when you think you stand, let you fall. So those are reasons we need to be humble. Now, let's go down to verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Submit. That means to surrender. It means to uh, be pliable. It means to be under his control. It's really a military word in the Greek that means to rank under someone. We're ranked under God. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now, I'm going to read you two songs. We sang one this morning. I felt real good today about this. Uh, some of the prayers, even Noah sent the message out to us sometime on Sunday morning. His message just fit what I'm going to preach about. And some of the songs you sang, one of the first ones I chose was the one I want to read right now. So I believe that God's in the matter. Some of the prayers we heard today were looking. Logan, I believe, I always liked it when it looks like God's in the matter. You know this song. If you don't turn to it, you can. 329. I sang this quite often. I sang this this morning. I mean this too. I want to mean it even more. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. After thy will. While I'm waiting, yield it still, not while I'm wiggling and trying to get out from under God. 
Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Why does this know, Lord? Watch me just now. As my presence, humbly I bow. God can, even in a practical way, wash you whiter than snow. As far as justification is concerned, you're already white as snow. But as far as sanctification is concerned, when you confess your sins to God, He can wipe you whiter than snow. So the danger is when people get down real low on their sins, they sometimes give up and say, I've messed up so badly, I can never make a comeback. That's the devil's weapon. I know some people right now in that shape. I can't come back. I'm not even going to try to come back. I'm too low. My brother and sister, when you confess your sins in a practical way, your life can be better than you imagine, and God can and will wipe you harder than snow. I mean that now. There's been a lot of people really low God brought back up. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary. Help me, I pray. Power all power, truly is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Now, I love this last verse. Sometimes I just get overkill. I want to be this way. Pressure old brother Zach to be this way. I want to be this way. I really want to be this way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold or my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. I want to be Christ-like. I can represent Jesus Christ to people. I want to be that way. Now the other song I want to read to you is 320, Cleanse Me. This is based on the last couple of verses of Psalm 139, which I won't quote them right now and get my mind messed up on what I want to talk about. But the last two verses of Psalm 139 is what this man, James Orhead, in mind when he wrote this wonderful song. These are prayers. Make them your prayers, even this week. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. What a wonderful prayer. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire. For once I burn with shame, grant my desire to magnify thy name. You may be full of shame, but God can burn that shame out and make you where you have a good self-image again. Lord, take my life and make it holy thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. O Holy Ghost, Revival come from thee. Send a revival. Uh, send a revival. Start the word work in me. Thy word declares, Thou wilt supply our need. For blessings now, O Lord, I humbly pray. Boy, if we ever have a revival, let's all say, Lord, let it start with me. All right? Now, I'm not through with verse 7 yet. He says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. That word resist is a powerful, powerful word. A strong, strong word. It means oppose yourself against it. Sometimes we just mess around, we're kind of halfway fighting the devil. you got to mean business when you fight Satan, because Satan means business, and my friend, you've got to mean business when you fight Satan. I want to read you a verse from 1 Peter 5, 6-9. This is kind of a parallel to this almost. Resist the devil. Get a hold of that. Oppose yourself against the devil. Set yourself against him. You can beat him if you use the weapon God gives you. 
He's really a coward, the devil a coward, really. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to read lots of scripture today because the word of God is what will do us good. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, he careth for you. Get this now, folks. Be sober. Serious-minded. Be vigilant. Alert. Because your adversary, and he is the devil. And a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He'd like to eat you up. He'd like to sift you as wheat. He'd like to destroy every life in this church, every young person, every middle-aged person, every old person, every marriage he'd like to get. He'd like to get the preachers and the deacons. The devil, my friend, hates us. He's walking about in a roaring line, seeking who made a, made a fire. But we, we can read him. Look what he said in verse 9. I told you we got the main business. We're fighting Satan. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He said he'll, submit, he'll, he'll flee from you. Now, you know what you got to do? You got to follow the same example of our precious Savior. He fought the devil. He beat him, didn't he? He beat him. You look at Matthew 4. And he, what did he use? What did he use? The Word of God. He quoted the Word of God. Jesus Christ quoted the Word of God and defeated Satan, and Satan departed from him for a while. He'll do you the same. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Listen. You can't make it without being in the Word. Let me say that again. How much in the Word have you been this week? Some people don't read it at all. I hope you're not guilty. Probably got some guilty people out there. If the shoe fits, wear it. My friend, some of you have been in the Word of God enough. You've, you've had other things that took the priority. It's been entertainment. It's been, uh, it's been the social, it's been the, the, uh, the, the, our devices, our iPhones and stuff. It's been entertainment. We can't make it except we're the Word of God and follow the same example our Savior followed that he set for us to defeat the devil in Matthew chapter 4. Also, friends, we got lots of good weapons, haven't we? Okay, time, take no time to talk about this. Look at Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. God's given us weapons to defeat Satan with. Study them out. Study them out. It says in one place in the Corinthian letter, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God to putting down a stronghold. There's no stronghold in your life that cannot be pulled down, my friends, the weapons of our warfare. But let me say, let me use a word I'm going to use lots of times. I'm, I'm going to say it three times right now, okay? Purposeful. Purposeful. I'm going to say it again. Purposeful. You've got to be purposeful about this. It won't come about automatically. If you're on default, you're going to be going downstream. We've got to be purposeful. Think about how we're going to get a strategy to fight the devil with. That's what I can out here to help you with if you need some help. And others are also. Okay, let's go to verse 8. I hope, I hope, I'm, I'm, let's go to verse 8. Oh my, 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 my. What a promise. What a glorious promise. Drawn out of God, he will draw out of you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. I want to say, first of all, this is a great promise. And that's a promise. He didn't say, I'll draw out to you. The instant you start drawing out of me, it may take a while. But he promised us, my friend, Draw nigh to me. That means near, near, nigh. Uh, do you want to get close to God? We sinners can be close to God. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Let me read you a couple of scriptures that kind of will influence that. 
One of these is over in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of the prodigal son. My friend, he got in terrible sin. Sometimes people get in horrible sin. He squandered all his inheritance. He went down to a far country. He lost everything. He got caught in a pig pen. An old Jew in a pig pen. That's pretty bad, isn't it? And my friend, he was starving to death and would fain eat the husk. You talk about bad shape. You may be in bad shape, my friend. It may be drugs. It may be alcohol. It may be something worse than that. But I tell you, my friend, this old guy got in bad shape. But thank God, God put him in his right mind. And my prayer is, if you need it, God put you in your right mind. If you're in your right mind, you know where to get help at. That help is to go to the Father. He knew. He said, I'm going to go to my Father. Uh, uh, he got plenty of down there. I'm going to just be a servant, a hired servant in my father's house. Well, I bet he was kind of scared, maybe, don't you imagine, about whether his father would welcome him. Kind of like that song about the yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. So I'm going to read you one verse, two verses. That's all I need. You know the story of the prodigal son. What kind of reception did he get? When you, talk, when you start heading for God, what kind of reception? In repentance, what kind of reception will you expect? I'll tell you what to expect. This is good stuff. Luke 15, 20, and 20, 20, I think through 24. And he arose and came to his father. <laughs> but when he was yet a great way off, God was looking for him. He's looking for you. He wanted him to come home. He wants you to come home. His father saw him, had compassion, and, and walked real slow toward him. He ran. My friend, you head for God, he'll run to meet you. He'll run to meet you. And fell on his neck and kissed him. In the Greek, that's in the present tense, he kissed and kissed and kissed. My friend, you want some big old kissing from God? He got a bunch of them for you. If you head home. And his son said unto him, Father, I sinned against thee, against heaven and against thy, and in thy sight. And no more worthy to be called thy son. Ah, but the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. And shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf. And kill it. Let's eat and be merry. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, it's found, they began to be married. My friend, you want to have a spiritual party, then get close to God and repentance. Head toward Him. Take that first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. The devil does not want you to take the first step. When we get in bad sin, my friend, we feel so guilty, we don't think we can head. Take that first step, my friend, and see what happens. Another scripture, one of my favorite, is found over in Matthew chapter 11. I just love this so much. I love this so much. It's Jesus Christ himself giving this invitation to those who are in trouble. Let's read that, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. You know what it is. Coming to me. Coming to me. Woo! We got a song in our book that says that. Come to me. Come to me. All you laboring and heavy laden. Are you laboring and heavy laden? Sometimes people are in sin. They're not even, they don't, they don't, even heavy laden. They're just so indifferent to it. Brother, when God really brings conviction to you, you're really heavy laden. You got a load you can't carry. You can't carry it. Don't even try to carry it. You're, you, you, you won't work. You can't do it your way. You got to do it God's way. Coming to me, you laboring and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. My friend, I know people who have not had spiritual rest for a long, long time. I've been there myself. There's a period of my life I was living in a particular sin. I had no rest. I had no rest. No peace. Come to me, all you that live in heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. Isn't that amazing? My friend, Jesus Christ is easy to approach. He's meek and lowly in heart to those who are coming to him in repentance. You shall find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I want to say something about Brother Gannon Hamilton. Yeah, I'm not, I don't embarrass you, Gannon, but he's made a statement one time that I just thought my breath in so good. He isn't a particular sin. It's a besetting sin, one he couldn't get out of, but he did get out of it. I said, Brother Gannon, how'd you get out of it? He said, with force, I didn't get out of it. He said, God delivered me. How about that? You can't get out of anything by yourself. I like that, don't y'all? I didn't get out of it. God delivered me. He's in the delivery business. He cast the demons out of the wild Gadarean and put him in his right mind, clothed, sitting at the feet of the Son of God. God can do that, my friends. All right. Let me go back to James again. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. All right. Cleanse. That's anything you're doing that's not right outwardly. If you're doing something wrong, just quit it. If you're having trouble, come get help. Sometimes people get in bad habit patterns. They can't break them. I can tell you how to break them. I can too. Some of the other people can too. Don't be so stinking proud you won't cry for help. I need help sometimes. I really do. I'm a pastor. I need help. Sometimes I'm too proud to seek it. When I do seek it, I think I'm glad I did it. We need each other, friends. We need each other very much. We can't pick each other up by God's glory and precious grace. So cleanse your hands, you sinners. You've got to do that now. It says purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'm going to say something about that in a minute. Let me give you a word picture first, okay? here You heard me do this before. Word picture. I never was much of a gardener. My mom was a great gardener. And so sometimes she'd tell me to get this hole with Charvin, and, she, and they had Bermuda grass. So I thought I did a great job one time. Man, I cut that Bermuda, just smooth, no, no grass showing. Mom said, Zach, you hadn't even started yet. What are you talking about, Mom? She said, those roots are so deep down there. If you don't get those roots out, they'll come right up again. That's what you do too often. You get that hole and you chop the top off. It won't do you a bit of good. You've got to get the roots out. Listen, my friend, this purifying your heart, it's got to be, let me, I'm going to read you, say this again, purposeful. It's got to be a deep, purposeful work. Now, what I'm going to do now, let the Bible speak for, my, for me. Instead of me trying to give you a lot of my wisdom, I'm going to give you God's wisdom, read you a few scriptures on the heart. Purify your heart, you double-minded. It's got to be purposeful, deep work. Most of us are too lazy to do it spiritually. Very few Christians do this like they ought to because we live in a lazy age. Don't be that way. I want you today to get the inspiration. I'm going to ask God to help me cleanse my heart. I'm going to purify my heart, you double-minded. Get my heart right with God. Let's read a few scriptures on that. Let the Bible do my work for me. Over in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart law diligent, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard thy heart. Again, that's what happened to David, no doubt. David was getting lazy. We know he should have been out fighting, so he wasn't. He, he stayed at home. Let old Joab go to the fight. That shows he was kind of getting weak. 
Then when the temptation came, my friend, he could not handle the temptation. You can't either. You're so weak. If you're spiritually weak and the temptation comes along, you will succumb to it. You may think you're above that. You're not. Nobody in this church is above, my friend, succumbing to temptation if it comes at the right time. And you're weak. We need to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Keep your heart. If you find your heart getting kind of weak, you find yourself getting kind of away from God, you need to there'll be an alarm going off. There'll be a red flag going on. Say something's got to be done about this, God. I got, and it's going to take some time to do that. It's got to take some effort to do it. It takes a plan to do it. You got to do some, if you need some help with planning, that's what pastors are for. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Look at Matthew 15, verse 8. Boy, this, I, hope this, I hope this is about us. Sometimes it probably is. He's talking here of these old Pharisees, but this is this all scare us. Matthew 15, 8, our precious Savior himself saying this. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth. Oh, we all do that great chapel, don't we? I'm not being sarcastic, by the way. I love you so much. Oh, we all talk a good game when we're the brethren, don't we? I love the Lord. Yeah, I love the Bible. We, we can say the good stuff, can't we? Oh, God's looking right in here. You know what? It's kind of like that screw tape letter. Oh, C.S. Lewis got a few things right. And, uh, he, he, oh, oh, you know, he says, he, he's speaking with his mouth really good. His heart is full of all bad stuff. This people draw nigh unto me, their mouth, and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Where's your heart at today? Where's your heart today? The mouth won't get it. The heart's got to count. Psalm 51, the whole psalm is great. I didn't read that this morning. Didn't know I was going to preach on this. I'll read you two verses from Psalm 51. If you need some help, my friend, repent, get in there, and stay in that psalm and prayerfully beg God to have it real. David was in deep distress because of his sin. He cried out to God. He really meant it, and he prayed and prayed, and God answered his prayer. Psalm 51, 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to live with them. God's not interested in being superficial. He wants deep, my friend, repentance. And then I love verse 10 because sometimes I feel like I'm getting out of shape and I need to pray this prayer, and I do it lots of times. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, for you have a right spirit within me. There's sometimes your spirit gets kind of messed up, you kind of get grouchy and you're not close to God, you feel cold. That's a good time to pray that one verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the good news is, God will do it. Your old pastor sometimes had been as cold as a piece of ice spiritually. Thought I'd never feel the presence of God again, but then I did feel God's presence again. Time and again, my friend, that happens to us. We're fighting a terrible fight. We do get cold sometimes. We do get away from God sometimes. There's remedies for that. This is one of them. Jeremiah 17, 9, you know this. And by the way, 10, I won't read 10, but I'll tell you what 10 says in a minute. This is you now. This is me. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You mean us? Yeah, y'all mean us. Oh, I'm a church member. Uh, I'm not here splitting uh, off a drunk today. I'm not here some simple pleasure. I'm a good old church member. You got a wicked heart. It's deceitful above all things, definitely. But then verse 10 says, God knows the heart. It may be, we may not know it, but God knows our heart. All right, now, here's one that's just a capstone. I'm telling you what. God's looking at you today, folks. I'm looking at you too. Well, I can't see inside you, but God can. God can. One time, you know, uh, 
prophet came down to choose a king from Jesse's household. Three of those guys, great big old guys, good looking guys, strong old boys, and they look like kings. They come before Jesse and God said, I reject him. He's not the one. And by the way, it's proved later on because we'll say God a day by name down there with cowards who wouldn't fight Goliath. Oh, they, <clears throat> I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm good. Well, this little shepherd boy comes out of a sheep coat, little ruddy faced fella. Look at verse 16, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Oh, my friends, God looking in our hearts too. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. If the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Right. The Lord seeth by his man seeth. From man looketh on the outward appearance, the Lord looketh on thy heart. My friend, he's looking on my heart, looking on your heart. So let's get our heart right with God. Let's ask God to help us to do this. Now, uh, I'm going to go down to verse 9 now. We don't always do this. This is when we need to really repent. I'm not being unrealistic. We don't do this every day. But when we're really repenting and then repent, we do this. And this is strong language. This is strong language. I'd long to see some genuine repentance in people. I want, and myself too. I've been asking God to help me lately. I, you know, I've been actually saying this. I'm asking God to not do it too bad where he just overwhelms the Lord. Show me some of my sins in the past I need to repent of. Don't let me bury anything in the past that I need to repent of. Be sorry for. We're not, sometimes we we like old Bill Clinton. Let's just kind of, let's just move on now and put it behind us. Don't work that way with God. I want God to clean me up, my friend, from the very inside out. I like to be transformed, renew my mind. I like to be remade. Let's read this now in verse nine, and we'll see uh, how powerful this is. I'm gonna read you a scripture in a minute too. Uh, look at verse 9. Somebody probably needs this here today. Somebody probably needs this today. All right, let's see here. Now, this is pretty. This, I, I wish I could tell you, I won't give you the Greek words. That just kind of muddy the waters, but I did look the words. These are powerful, 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 powerful words. Not to just be taken and read them real fast. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Some people have never wept over their sins. I know a man who's in sin. I told him something. I really don't think he got it. I'll tell you why I don't think he got it. I said, brother, so-and-so, if you do like Peter did, go out and weep bitterly, I believe God forgive you. He said, I've done it a hard time. I knew that he hadn't done it. And even he hadn't done it. Sometimes, my friend, we need to weep bitterly for our sins. I'm not saying every day again. I'm being realistic. But there are times be afflicted and mourn. We ought to mourn for our sins. We ought to bother us. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Those are strong, strong words. We need that sometimes. Now, let me read you a scripture. I thought I had it here, but I'm going to have to turn to it. It's over 2 Corinthians. I'd love to see this in my life and yours. Let's look over 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me see if I find my verses here. 
Okay, this is wonderful. The Corinthians had been all puffed up in a terrible sin. It's terrible. The whole church was just messed up in this. A man was living, actually living uh, with his father's wife. Horrible stuff. Stuff that didn't even happen among the heathen. And they were kind of puffed up about it. And Paul came and talked to them about it. And they got, God gave them repentance. But, so this is powerful. I've never been satisfied with my understanding of this, but I'm going to try to get satisfied. They're, they're talking about godly sorrow. How do you know if you've got godly sorrow? If you've got godly sorrow, you'll repent. If you've got the sorrow of the world, you'll be sorry for the consequences and sorry you got caught. We all got that kind of sorrow. But my friend, godly sorrow, we're sorry we offended God. That's what Joseph told that woman that tried to seduce him. How can I do this great sin and sin against God? David said in Psalm 51, against thee, then only have I sinned and none evil in thy sight. We need to recognize we may have sinned against our wife, against our brethren, but my friend, ultimately, we have sinned against God Almighty. Look at this over, in, and I love this. I want this. I would actually ask God to help me on this. Look at verse 10 here of 1 Corinthians, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. The sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this self-same thing that you have sorrowed, you sorrowed after a godly sword. Now, get this. There's seven things here. I won't try to explain them today, but we can see it's amazing how deep this work was when they had godly sorrow. Sometime I'll hope I'll preach the whole sermon on this. You can study it yourself. There's seven things here that characterize this godly sorrow. For behold, this self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sword, what carefulness eroded you, carefulness, Yea, what clearing of yourselves, and that don't mean he's sweeping on the rug. Yea, what indignation, you're mad at yourself for what you've done. Yea, what fear, you'll fall back into it again. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. And all these things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Isn't that amazing? My friend, I recommend that. And, help, and pray for me, or I can somebody to be able to preach on that. So again, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9. Be afflicted in the morning week, let your laughter return to morning, your joy to heaviness, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. We ought to humble ourselves before each other, but it's mighty in the sight of the Lord. In the closet, the Lord sent his secret, he rewards openly. Isn't that what the Bible said over the, 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 the uh, Sermon on the Mount? When you pray in your closet, pray to God secretly. Don't put on a show to other people. When you repent, your, your, your repentance will show, but don't do it for men's sake, but for God's sake. Humble yourself beside the Lord, and he shall lift you up. But then, thank God, this thing closed on an incredible promise. An incredible promise. A glorious thing, indeed. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and here we go. He shall lift you up. I'm quitting with that. He shall lift you up. Come on, Isaac. Draw him out of God. Have you ever, uh, have you ever thanked the Lord for an inconvenient sermon? Have you ever thanked the Lord for an inconvenient sermon or an inconvenient word? Uh, that was a, that was an inconvenient sermon for me, for sure. I woke up this morning. And uh, 
I was in a bad mood, and uh, I was looking forward to, not consciously, but sort of looking forward to enjoying my um, my grieved sandwich for lunch. It was going to be really good. I'm going to put a little extra extra layer of of of, uh, of uh, victimization on it. Feel sorry for myself. I'm barely kidding. I mean, it's what it looks like ultimately, right? Um, and and that was an inconvenient sermon. It started off with James four. The problem is not what you thought the problem was. The problem is your heart. Period. James doesn't mince words, does he? The problem is your heart. The problem is my heart. The heart of the matter is the heart of the matter. We do the things we do because we want the things we want. We want the things we want because we love the things we love. We love ourselves. Okay? Well, that was inconvenient. Then he went over to 1 Peter 5 and that's about resisting the devil. And, um, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not totally conscious of that, but sort of this is sort of my, my approach to the day. I would, I would resist harder in this area, but, um, but I'm suffering like no one else has ever suffered before. Okay? And the Bible blows that up constantly. So here's how, here's how it does. This roaring lion is bigger than me. I can't stop that. Well, that's true, the Bible says. Um, but then the Bible says this. It says, guess what? It doesn't say, guess what? That's what it says. It says, you, you resist. You have to resist. How? Steadfast in the faith. You're believing something. What are you believing? Number one, you're, you're believing that you're, you are not a unique victim. You're not. You're not a unique sufferer of, of other sins. Here's what he says, first thing in first, first Corinthians 10. He says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Well, that's helpful. It is very helpful to hear those words. You are not the only one suffering in this very way. And guess what? You can't resist by yourself, and neither can they. Here's the next words. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's how you resist steadfast in the faith. You're looking to the God of all grace, who has promised to use this suffering to establish you, to settle you, to strengthen you. So an inconvenient message. Probably for more than just me. Let me point you to two people who heard similar inconvenient messages. One of them we heard about from Brother Matt a few weeks ago was uh, Ahab. Micaiah came with a very inconvenient message. Ahab rejected it. Ahab died. Nathan the prophet came with a very inconvenient message to David. David received it. And David, David is the one who wrote Psalm 51 to help us along in the very same way. 